podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's a new drop back. And now Kitty in the middle. Drop a goal. Stretch it. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Stretch it. Chelsea 2. Stretch it. And Didier Drogba has. Drogba in the centre. McCoy just came from the ground in the floor. That's not going to happen. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Possibly bleak as this. Drogba! Maras! Never ended up in McDonald's. And I have had a trophy in one time. What the fuck did I play for the Spanish? He done it! The greatest night in the world! Welcome everyone to another episode of Chessy Hour. Brought to you from Touchline Fracker. I am today's host, Daniel Soff. I'm joined with um, a nice little intimate crowd of people today. I've got tips. Of- How you doing, my guy? Always good after a win. Yeah, man. First win in three games, so that's cool. Shems, how you feeling, bro? What's good? What's good? Cool. I'm going to talk a little bit about our partners. So we've just got new partners for Touchline Fracker in general and um, for Chessie Hour. Um, so this episode is proudly brought to you by Fanslide. Now, you might be asking, what's Fanslide? It's an app. It's the first live and in-play fantasy football game. You can play it with your friends. You can play against us, so it's like a competing thing. So if you go to um, your app store and you download Fanslide, there's cash prizes. It's competitive. I played it um, on the weekend. I'm, I'm a competitive guy. So like Tottenham Tobes on Touchline Hotspurs, like he was messaging me, asking me how many points I've got. And I was ashamed to say that I had a third of the amount of points he has. But you'll see like it's difficult. You have to think about football in a new way. So yeah, definitely check out Fanslide. Um, and we are going to the next Chelsea game. You'll find me, you'll find Tim and Shems on Fanslide, and you can compete against us. Okay, cool. So let's get into the game. Do you know what I've noticed? I've noticed um, the reaction that I see, regardless of win, lose, and draw, 
it seems to be a war zone. I don't understand, but obviously, <laughs> for those listening, um, we've obviously just beaten West Ham 3 0. And, um, but yeah, so we, we won 3 um, 0. Now, we, we did a Discord live when we did this game, and uh, Jermaine was on, Meads was on, Babs was on, and they wasn't, ha- even though we won, they said it was a nasty win. They said they can't celebrate it. So, it wasn't just them. I saw that reaction after. It was a win, but it, someone said that it was akin to the first game of the season, the Brighton win, like a scuffy win. Shems, Timmy, you was an, I didn't see your live reaction to the game. So, so like, what were your thoughts on the game? We'll start with Timpson, just in general. Arguably, I think it was worse than the Brighton win, just mm-hmm. because obviously we lord teams for being able to grind out results when they're not playing well. Mm-hmm. But in context of two losses you really want a better performance, a better showing. You don't just want a result and Mm -hmm. didn't really get that. The team wasn't firing. We're looking, we're still looking very dependent on um, Ziyech. And I think Frank got the midfield balance um, wrong uh, with Jorginho in there and Kante. Okay. We'll drill down into the details later, but that's your general feeling. You, you, you'll take the three points, but you don't like, um, you didn't like the game, the style of play or anything like that. Nah, normally if we're if we were like a few weeks back in our normal in our previous run, that's fine. We grid it out, but after two disappointing um, losses, you need better performances, not just a better result. Okay, fair enough. Shems, what are you saying? Yeah, man, the game was just nasty. It yeah, was just absolutely nasty. Like, well, like... Okay, tell me what was nasty about it. That's what I want to understand. We're going to drill down into detail later, but mm. just give me like a, a summary, a headline view of why it was nasty. It was just a nasty watch. Like generally, like it wasn't re- very enjoyable in terms of just actually watching the performance and watching how everybody played. Um, yeah, like it was, I'm happy that we got the result because obviously we've been on a run of losses, but generally the performance just wasn't good. Um, and it wasn't really anything to kind of get excited about. That's why it was, it was, it was quite a nasty game. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we exerted ourselves um, considering we scored early, I want to say we exerted ourselves onto the game as well as we could have. So that's why, man, it just wasn't a good watch. All right, since since we've picked the word nasty to go with that game, that's the adjective we're going to go with. So I will, I'll, I'll kind of give you some things, some takes that are, some takeaways that I've taken from the game, and then you can tell me what was nastiest about it. So the the attack, it can be the attack, it can be, um, it can be the midfield. It can be the fact that um, it seemed like set pieces was like a big thing um, or the fact that we were so vulnerable. What what, what would you want to focus on? Um, it's, it's funny because I could I could really focus on a bit of all, all three things you mentioned. And we will do. But, we will do. But what's the nastiest? But if I was to pick, the, the nastiest was probably the attack, I'd say. I'd say, okay, I'd say probably cool. the attack, yeah. I saw, I saw your tweet. And your tweet, um, what did, do you know what tweet I'm talking about, James? Uh, which one? Because I, I tweeted about five times in the space of two minutes near okay. the end of the game. <laughs> James had a tweet, and I think it was before our goals, and he said, I can't believe this attack is still on at the 75th minute. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Tip, Tipson, uh, what was nastiest for you? Because you mentioned Jorginho, so I'm thinking you, you might think the midfield balance. But what, what was nastiest for you? I'm going to agree with Shems and say the attack, but with the midfield, it could be a 
byproduct the attack could be a byproduct of the midfield balance, but right. ultimately the attack. Okay, let's get into the nastiest bit of the game, then the attack. Okay, so obviously Giroud has been starting. Tammy came in. Is that what was nasty for you? Shems, you go. Um, so to answer your question, no, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily Tammy. I, I didn't mind Tammy coming in because I was um I was happy to see something different, you know, so I'm running to run in the behind a little bit more. Um, obviously, we've had Giroud um, last few games. He's done well, but um, yeah, I didn't mind seeing something different with Tammy, so that was fine. But generally, as a as a as a free, I just didn't feel like they linked up well enough. I don't feel like they got close to each other enough on enough occasions. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I just don't. I just genuinely don't feel like there was enough um, chemistry between the three of them during mm-hmm. that game. Um, we've seen um, we've seen before, like back in the early um, early stages of the season. Um, I've seen our attack um, link up a lot better than what I saw yesterday. And mm-hmm. um, yesterday, they just seemed really far away from each other, just really not on the similar wavelengths. And yeah, that's that's really what it was for me. So that's why when I made that tweet is because I, I I expected Frank to kind of pick up on that. Was that before the goals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funnily, <laughs> enough, I, funnily enough, I made it like two minutes before time. I knew it. I knew it because that, that thing <laughs> happened. And so yeah. you said you wanted to see changes and then they linked up to score goals. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Timpson, for you, what was nasty about the attack specifically? The lack of vim, no energy, no inevitability, no menace in the way we shifted the ball um, against Leeds. It felt like it was a matter of time before we scored. And we just seemed to revert back to how we were first season under Frank, where it was just like, we're moving the ball for the sake of moving it. Um, in term- That was the main thing. And then obviously, um, weirdly enough, I saw Werner on the ball too much. Um, and by that, I mean, Vern is dangerous getting on the end of chances, on the end of attacks. Uh, obviously, say what you will about his form, but when he's constantly on the ball like a traditional winger, mm-hmm. that's not that's not his game. That's definitely not his game. And then um, I know some people said Pulisic had a good game, but mm-hmm. um, I tweeted about it. I said, once again, Christian Pulisic showing that he cannot produce on the right-hand side. I know he had... Um, like one moment um, on the right hand side, but that was about it. All right, let me let me step in quickly because I want to. Um, I think you've mentioned two individuals, so let's drill down. The first one you mentioned was Werner, and then Pulisic. So let's talk about Werner. Um, what you're saying is encompassing what Babs was saying. It's encompassing what a lot of people are saying. They don't want to see Werner running with the ball too much, which is crazy because we've seen goals like the one against Southampton, the run where he set up Tammy Newcastle. Um, but yeah, like the the thing that I'm constantly hearing is we want to see Werner on the end of things rather than running with the ball. Shems, um, yes. do you echo that? And specifically the West Ham game, yeah, did you see any of that kind of the reason why people don't want him running in the ball on that in that game? Yeah, yeah, I did because... Uh, generally, his overall his overall play all around game was was really really bad. Like his his ability to execute basic stuff, just like taking simple touches and mm-hmm. um, simple dribbling, it just wasn't there at all. So yeah, I do I do um, completely understand why a lot of the fan base don't want to see him running with the ball. And me, me I've been up that view as well. Um, yeah. the, the the only caveat to it is that I don't mind him running the ball in transition. Yeah. Because as the Newcastle, because that's when when there's gaps and he's able to run with the ball into those gaps, he's very he's actually very good as a Newcastle goal showed, um, as um, to a similar extent the Southampton goal and Leeds goal as well specifically when yeah. we're in transition and there's gaps he can he can run really well with the ball, but mm-hmm. when there's when there's when the team's camped behind the um the, the 
camp behind the play and they've got their low block in there. Yeah. Um, he really, really struggles to, to beat a man. He struggles to weave in between tight spaces. Yeah. So um, I think that's the caveat to it. So, yeah, man, um, generally, I'd prefer to see him on the end of things as well because that's where he shines better. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was it was it was a hard watch, man. There was a moment in the game and this was he was more at left back position, but he does this thing where he cuts and then just tries to breeze past people. He doesn't even, it's not even any trickery. He just kind of tries to breeze past people. And if they're in the way, he just bounces into them and loses the Mm. ball. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I've I've seen that a few times. Like when we played Liverpool and he was taking on Fabinho and he was trying to dribble past him, I was thinking, okay, let me give him the benefit of the doubt. He's just warming up. But I'm just seeing more and more of that. Like he just realised, go on. The funny thing is, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I kind I knew what we were getting with Werner personally, and that's the the thing is, I I I still believe Werner will be successful at Chelsea. I still like him. Don't get twisted, but mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I'm not surprised at what we're seeing because I, I kind of knew what we were getting with Werner. So, I just expected him to play. I just didn't expect him to play in this type. I didn't expect Frank to set him up like this. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I didn't think we'd see it as much. If you understand what I'm saying. So so I didn't want Werner initially just because I don't like. Um, strikers that need space to run into. So mm. I, I didn't want Torres or I didn't want Morata and it's similar things. And I, I noticed that Werner was that type of striker, but I think the difference with Werner, because when it became apparent we was getting him, I think the difference with Werner that I was hoping on is that like whilst the other two, you can kind of question their confidence. Um, I was thinking, and I know I've heard about Werner going to Istanbul or one of those Turkish places and covering his ears, and I heard about all of that, but he just seemed like a confident guy, and I don't know, I still believe that he started relatively well. For someone playing on the wing, he scored four goals, um, or was it four or five goals, which is, which isn't bad, you know, when you're playing in the wing, you're playing, and I think Werner actually talked about the difficulties of playing wider compared to at Leipzig, where, you know, he was playing more central, so he talked about the difficulty, and I think he was alluding to the fact that he wants to score more goals, but um, yeah, I think I, I was aware too, but I still, um, yeah, I was a bit more hopeful that even if he's playing wider, he's got a bit more of a free role. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm. the fact that he's playing wider, but he's actually playing like a left winger for me. Yeah, that's it's okay. Yeah, Tim Timpson, back to you on Werner. Um, it's not just the fact that he's playing wide; it's his misses, and he had a couple of misses um, in the West Ham game. Now, a lot of people knew what we were getting in terms of someone that will miss chances, but um, he's not scoring too. So like, are you worried about Werner? And are you, would you think about dropping Werner if you was in charge? I think overall for the long term in terms of is this guy going to be a bust? Uh, I'm not quite there yet to say I'm worried. In terms of rotation or dropping him, uh, yeah, I think it's for both. It's best for both parties at the minute that he sits out. Hudson Odoi is back. Uh, Pulisic is obviously um, better on that left hand side. Um, now seems uh, quite an ideal opportunity to kind of drop him. Um, maybe not for the Arsenal game, but after that, uh, have a look at have a have a look at giving him some rest or even just letting him come off the bench against Arsenal to have an impact. Mm. Okay. Okay. Why, why not drop him for the Arsenal game? I wouldn't drop him for the Arsenal game because it's it would just compound his uh, mental anguish, I feel. Um, obviously not scoring, coming so close. And then um, when you're getting dropped for a substantial game after being arguably one of the first couple names on the team sheet, 
it's it, it could be it could either give him the kick up the backside that he needs or it could just delve him deeper into um his kind of slump where he starts snatching at chances even more than he's doing now mm-hmm. I, I think for me as well Bernard he's crossing as well from the left um sometimes it's horrible I think um I saw him at Leipzig and to be fair, I think maybe when he was a bit more confident, he would take his time to look who's there and try to find them. But now he's doing it with his head down. He's just kind of firing it in there. It's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, it's a bit... I mean, listen, it's his first season in the Premier League. Um, he took... A, I think the last time he had this type of goal drought, that was when he moved from um, Stuttgart to Leipzig. So he needed a little bit of a, you know, a settling period there as well. So... Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to completely go hammer and tong and knock his confidence. I think he's played the second most, if not the most. So taking him out is cool. I mean, Havertz was taken out in this game. And, you know, like, I get their big signings, but sometimes you protect big signings. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that was my thing as well. That's the, anyone that follows me too, that's, what, that's one thing I tweeted as well. I was just like, um, a good manager should, should be able to recognise when the right time to take someone out is because it gets to a point, yeah, where obviously I understand Timpson, your point, but at the same time, it gets to that, to that stage where you're just hanging them out to dry. You're literally mm-hmm. not doing them any favours whatsoever because you can see that they're short on confidence and um, they, they just need an arm around them. So sometimes it's not the best for me to just keep throwing them out there, keep throwing them out there. Sometimes they do just need to come out a little bit watch from the sidelines and kind of just um um just take a take a step back and kind of review things from a different perspective and then come back in fresh and you know I'm trying to say and um another point I wanted to make as well is that um a, two of our great um Chelsea strikers Costa and Drogba they mm-hmm. weren't they weren't amazing footballers they really weren't like they were. Diego Costa dribbling was 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 whoa it was a bit it was a bit mad um and the same with Drogba. Drogba sometimes his touch and his dribbling wasn't wasn't the greatest, but there were still amazing um, Chelsea strikers. There were still amazing strikers for us. They scored a bag of goals, and um, when we played to their strengths and when they were able to to kind of um, play in the right team and the right system, right players around them, they flourished. Do you get me? And I feel like um, this whole thing about um, strength strikers, I don't feel like they necessarily have to be amazing footballers. They just have to kind of know. We, the team just kind of has to know to play to their strengths. You know, if that mm. makes sense. Then, um, if it was a Southampton or like any mid uh, mid table club, I'd say yeah, drop him like no hesitation. But for such a big game to be left for such a uh, an, a London derby, um, one of the bigger games against um, the so called Big Six, it would like it, it could massively have a negative impact on his confidence if he's dropped for um, the next big game that we come across. Then from a tactical perspective, I would just say. Um, you have to look at Lampard because um, obviously this guy was, this guy made his name playing a bespoke role for RB Leipzig. And um, maybe you look at the manager for kind of um, not for, for putting him into, for, for putting him, him into a position where um, it's not going to get the best out of him, whether it's a left winger or as an out and out striker, because he made his name kind of being able to drift in the two. So a, a formation that, um, doesn't embody that or allow him to do what he did at Leipzig. Um, I put some of the partial blame on Lampard, but at the same time, uh, Werner needs to adapt as well, whether he needs to go on YouTube and have a look at um, old school Danielson and Robin clips just to see how he can beat a man one-on-one because this kick and chase thing just cannot run in the Premiership. What I noticed about Werner, so listen, Lampard, I don't think is, I think he's in tune to what's 
going on and what's being said. And I know that a lot of people is mounting this crescendo in this idea that Werner shouldn't be playing on the left. But I think, I don't know if it's just me, but I watched the game back and what I saw is, okay, we saw a front three of Werner on the left and Pulisic on the right and Tammy up front. But I did see Tammy go to the right channel sometimes and I saw Werner come off the left channel and be a central striker. So I think that Lampard is trying to, I mean, it's so difficult because as a manager, all people see is the formation. So all Mm. people see is Werner starts on the left, Tammy starts up front. But in game, I saw a little bit of, you know, um, Werner coming in and being central. So like I get that starting positions, he was from the left and I, I, 100% he's still definitely playing from the left. But um, I don't know. I think there's a little bit in terms of being fair with Lampard and the fact that he's trying to solve it. You, you don't necessarily get solutions in the first couple of games. Um, he, like, he's just been bought. Like I said, when he went from Stuttgart to Leipzig, Again, like whoever the manager was then, it wasn't an easy transition. Sometimes it's just fitting into a new team, the manager trying new different places, trying different solutions. And I think he got some chances. Listen, he's getting chances. He's still not finishing them. So yeah. this is what I'm saying. So there's as much as people saying Lampard, like, again, it might be a confidence thing, but he's definitely getting chances. That's um, a very good point. That's a very good point. I think sometimes we can be a bit, I, I know managers do deserve criticism, but I feel like yeah. sometimes with Lampard, we can be a bit over the top. And one thing we do need to remember is that Werner has got into plenty of goal positions. I think Lampard even alluded to it in his um, post, post-match um, press conference. He said that yeah. Werner's still getting to the positions. Um, but yeah, man, so if he's getting into the positions, then, you know, it can't all be tactical. Do you know what I'm saying? So exactly. I definitely hear that. Definitely. Exactly. And then so let's, obviously that was the first nasty bit of attack. Tipson, you also think that Pulisic was nasty on that right side, right? Yeah, I, I'm not happy about um, the fact that he's still riding the wave of that eight-game lockdown period because this season he hasn't really done anything for me that um, warrants people saying he's um, not only our best winger but also better than Jaden Sancho since Jaden Sancho's on the slump. I've seen okay. a couple of those tweets jumping out. All right, cool. So what we want to do is let's focus on the the West Ham game, yeah? Um, And just forgetting about what the general people are saying. Um, You you don't think he was good on that right side. So let me quickly go to Shems. Shems, would you Mm. agree that Pulisic was nasty on that right? Um, he he wasn't great. I wouldn't say nasty. He he was he was okay. Very very well below his the standards that he can get to. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great from him. I won't lie, but in our most in our most um, brightest moments, he was involved. So I'd say he did okay. Yeah, out of the three attackers, I know that Tammy scored two goals. Out of the three attackers, who would you say was the best? I would probably say Tammy. I think Tammy okay, cool. was the most involved. Yeah. All right, so let's focus on Pulisic before we get to Tammy, since he was the least nasty, or like maybe he was positive too. Um, so we've got. Um, Simpson saying he was dreadful on the right. And then I think, Shems, you're saying, like, if it was the three bears, you're saying he was warm. Like, you're saying that it was it was okay, but not, you know, bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think he was good. I think he was very good. Um, okay. Just, just to clear it up from Simpson, because I know that a lot of people will say that you have an agenda. Um, yeah, so what was so bad about his, before I get into why I think it was good, what was so bad about him on the right? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say he was dreadful just for the fact that um, he's nowhere near as effective 
on that flank as he is on the left. Mm-hmm. So against looking at the West Ham game specifically, mm-hmm. he didn't pre he didn't produce loads from a creativity perspective. He made some progress. He, he at best a lot of the time you saw um, a progressive drive a couple yards in and then he'd give it sideways. Then mm-hmm. obviously the when when we had that transition and he gave the ball to Werner. Um, I said that the ball was slightly behind him and he should have given it a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So, um, but people will say, oh, that's my bias at talk. And then you have to look at Werner in that instance as well. A confident Werner takes mm-hmm. his time and uh, and smashes that with his left foot with a bit more confidence. Yeah, I think it all started, the kind of da- the, the chain reaction of missing the opportunity started with the ball that was slightly behind him and slightly late. So the, so the big debate was... Um... Was Pulisic delaying it because he wanted the defender to come and commit to give Werner more time, or was a lot? Of, some people have said. I know when I watched it, just because maybe more because of previously seeing him this since his comeback from injury, I thought that he was trying to look for opportunity to score himself. Now, Shems, where do you fall on that chance where Pulisic gets the ball, he's driving through, um, passes it to Werner later than expected, and then Werner misses. So me, I, I stand on the fact, the argument that Pulisic was trying to commit a defender. And I, uh, and the reason why I say that is because I play football a lot mm-hmm. and I play Indian attack. I, I like to okay. play. I play okay. out wide. And one thing that I always, always do in 2v1s or when whenever our team is outnumbering the defence on transition is I always hold on to the ball until the defender commits because I want my teammates to have the most easiest chance possible. That's just my thinking. That's that's how I play football. So I could understand, I could kind of see um, other players doing that as well because it just makes sense. Why, why wouldn't you want your, your player to be certain that, that they're going to score? Do you understand what I'm saying? However, Pulisic is quite selfish. So I wouldn't be surprised if in his head he was delaying to see if he could shoot and then he realised, oh, I can't. Let me just pass it. But from 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 the way I play football and the way I understand the game, for me, I would always coach my attackers to do to do that, to hold on to the last minute until the defender commits, your teammate is free and he has the easiest possible chance to score. So I'll give him the benefit of doubt on that one. I think that's just my view. Um and Timpson, what do you say what do you think about that, the way Shems has explained it? I hope it is that he was looking for an opportunity to shoot. I definitely because I think it's a lack of football in IQ if it wasn't. Because obviously I get Shen's argument that the um, you want to commit the defender, but in that scenario, um, I'm seeing I'm looking at it. Obviously, it's different in real time. I'm looking at it as in all he needs to do is play a good weighted ball slightly ahead of Werner, and Werner's pace takes care of the rest, and he mm. can and he has more than enough time to position his body anyhow, any way he wants to finish that finish that opportunity. But because he's delayed. And the ball itself, the final execution of the ball, even if he's tr- even if he you're planning to commit the defender and give it, the final execution of the ball was behind him, and it caused more problems than than it solved in terms of freeing up space for Werner because it put him in yeah. a awkward position. Yeah, I, I agree with the execution part one hundred percent because for me, um, the you need to you need to execute that pass so that Werner doesn't even have to take a touch. Or if Werner's taken a touch, yeah, that that he um the ball needs to be in a position where Werner can can push it onto his left foot. The fact that okay. Werner had to kind of come back yeah. shows the execution wasn't great. Ultimately, do you think that um the pass was good enough for us to expect Werner to score? Yes, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. The, it wasn't. It wasn't the perfect pass, but I still would expect Werner to do more with that situation. So, so, so Timpson, what would you say? Ultimately, do you think the the pass put Werner in a good enough space where 
we should expect him to score. Yes, it could have made it better, but um, okay. yeah, given the confidence of uh, the lack thereof, confidence of a Werner, you want the best possible ball to help him out in that situation, and it wasn't. I, that. I, I hear you, but for for me, if if we're saying that um, the ball was good enough for us to expect him to score, then I feel like where it could be better. I, I feel like from Pudisic, at least he done the basics that he was expected of him in that situation. Is that fair? Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good idea, okay, yeah. okay, cool. So, like, I'm like, okay, so we've got Timpson on the, I didn't really like his performance that much. You've got Shems on the, okay, compsy compsa. I understand Shems' point of view because I think I've been very vocal about Pulisic being someone that floats in and out of games. Um, and I think West Ham, the West Ham game was similar. However, well, maybe it's because I've seen Werner on the other side. I like the fact that he's technically assured. Um, I like the fact that because um, we're playing two strikers and I know that Pulisic on that right-hand side, whereas um, Timpson says he doesn't really like him, what I do like, and I think maybe he does this on the left anyway, but I love the fact that he comes in from the right, similar to Ziyech, and comes in field. And when we're playing two strikers, if you can get someone driving, so like Milan, the Milan team with Kaka behind two strikers, I watch that team a lot. And when you have someone that can carry the ball behind two strikers and they've got two options and they can kind of create that scenario that um, we're talking about, but it also happened again in the second half, um, I think for the goal, where he's dribbling at the defence and then he's got two options in front of him, two strikers in front of him. We created that that a couple of times and I think generally um, he was someone that actually got getting on the ball. So where I can agree that Tammy um, was good overall, I feel like if there was anyone that was going to show any X factor in our attack. It was Pulisic. Um, yeah, I think he was. I think he was a bit of a menace. I think that he linked up again. If you look at the Tammy goal, which we'll get to Tammy in a bit, but the link up was there as well. I think maybe again it's just Werner. I just really appreciate the fact that he's got a good touch, that he can take it past the player. Um, this is someone as well that is hungry to shoot and score. Mm. So yeah, for for me, his one touch game I think is really good. So for me. Um, Yes, he doesn't always get on the ball, but at least when he does get on the ball, he's doing some good things. That's what I, that's what I liked about yeah, him. I, I, I agree with that. I could agree with that. Um, Timpson, since since you're on the other end, what's your thoughts for what I just said? Yeah, all very good. Um, can't fault anything you said. Uh, I just raised the question, but should we be expecting better as a minimum from Christian Pulisic? Yeah, to be fair, I, I said that in the beginning. I said that um, Delu- I said it was okay because mm-hmm. it was well short of his his standard. However, he was most definitely our brightest player in attack. Like like Dan said, he was picking up the ball, driving, mm-hmm. um, and he looked the most threatening. So yeah, I, we can definitely expect more, but that's fine because th- the whole team was bad. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it wasn't just him that fell below his standard. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, but also another thing as well, I don't really like the. Um, the the cop the cop out of him not being comfortable on the right. I understand that players have their preferred position, but I just feel like um really good wingers can play both sides. And I feel like mm-hmm. Pulisic can play on the right. I don't feel like he's as terrible as people make him out to be. But, I thought he did. Yeah. I thought he did good on the right. I'd play him on the right again. Um yeah, so I don't know. Anything more on Pulisic? There is a little bit in terms of that chance, like was he holding on to it because he wanted to score himself? I was worried that he's become too much of a selfish individual player. But I think that game, I didn't see too much. I think like he was looking to pass. Um, so yeah, I'm not as worried about that. Um, but it, it does become a little bit difficult when ZH comes back because then it's just like ZH is definitely playing. 
So then, who misses out? Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash bluewire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. But obviously Tammy came in for Giroud. And Tammy, Tammy this season, he's got quite a lot of goals for someone who hasn't really been a starter for long. Um... But I think yesterday what he showed was an all-round performance. Now, the things with Tammy, Tammy still hasn't re-signed um, to, to, you know, extend his contract here. And I think his contract is out 2022, I think it is. Um, we've been linked with Haaland as well. Um, so, yeah, talk to me about Tammy's performance um, in general. I'm going to assume that it wasn't nasty, but yeah, do you think that he's done enough to keep his place in the team? And we'll start with Timson. Most definitely he's done enough to warrant a start against Arsenal, the two goals in itself. But um, out of the three strikers that we have, um, I feel like we just kind of clock back and forth between um, one of the, one of the three in Werner, Tammy and Giroud. Um, Right now, uh, Tammy's the man of the moment. Um, I think he gets the edge over Giroud because he has the ability to stretch teams. And we saw that today where he was a willing runner. He had legs to close the ball then then uh, all, all game long. And um, he still provided, he still tried to provide some of that hold up play that Giroud's known for. There was one instance where he kind of took the ball on his chest and just popped it off to someone. I can't remember out wide. And I just thought this is magnificent play um, in that pattern of play there. Um, and obviously, he's got that physical presence in the air that obviously Timo Werner's not got at the Timo Werner's not got. Um, so he's out of the three. Um, if he can add, if if he can kind of develop some pieces of his game, he's definitely got a strong case to be um, the starting forward, mm-hmm. given what he has and the shortcomings of the other strikers. But um, in regards to the West Ham game specifically, he linked up the he linked up the play well. He facilitated um, Timo, as I've said on the, um, when Timo wants to come central at times by that ability and the running ability to kind of um, cover those wide areas. So um, he facilitates Timo, who needs all the help he can get at the moment, which Giroud doesn't have. So I definitely think um, he, he's done enough to start. Uh, Shems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He his performance was really good, man. Definitely the best out of the three. Um, 
arguably man of the match alongside Thiago Silva. But in terms of his performance, yeah, it was great. Um, one thing I liked about his performance is that he was a lot cleaner technically. So um, there's one instance when he drifted up to the right-hand side and put it across for Werner. Now, when he when he got the ball out wide, I didn't expect the ball to be good, if I'm going to be completely honest. But it was it was it was a, it was a really good ball towards Werner. Werner was unlucky to not to get onto it, and um, I thought he showed the real calmness um, for the sec for the second goal. A lot of strikers might have just slashed at it, whereas he was just calm and composed and tapped it in. Mm-hmm. And um, if you watch his first goal as well, in um, whilst Werner was dribbling in, he was very active in the box. He was moving about trying to see um, the right opportunity, the right space to get into, so that he could position himself properly for the goal. And it was really nice to see because. Um, he, he ended up moving into that space where the ball dropped and he tapped it in nicely. So yeah, overall his performance was really good. My one slight criticism, just a slight one, is there was I think there was one or two instances where he was a bit flat-footed in terms of um, running in behind. So there was one instance where Havertz got it and he was really flat-footed. Havertz played it through and he wasn't able to go onto it just because he wasn't he yeah. wasn't on his toes. And it ha- that happened one or one or two times during the game. If we, I just like him to be a bit more on his toes in terms of making that curved run in behind defenders but apart from that um, it was a solid performance yeah I mean do you know what I liked about his performance so number one he was to be fair I don't necessarily I'd still say that Pulisic was the best attacker Um, I I get when you score two goals yeah of course like you should go down as the best attacker so I'm not taking that away from him but I think again (laughs) I think again Werner's touch makes me appreciate Tammy's touch do you know what I'm saying like Werner is so consistently bad at touches. And I think that whilst um, Tammy has had criticism, I don't think he's ever been as bad as Werner. Um, Okay, Werner is new to the Premier League, so maybe his will get better with time. But yeah, I think that he's got good... Like, if we remember the Barnsley game and his link-up with um, Havertz, I think we saw a bit bit of that yesterday in terms of the nice little flicks. I think what I was impressed with, both goals, if you look at it, Tammy started off the moves... And then had the desire to get in the box to to finish the moves too. Um, I think defensively, whenever we're talking about set pieces, we'll talk about set pieces later. But he's he's good in set pieces too. Um, he is like good at pressing too. Um, there is a little bit of criticism in terms of that game where I think Giroud, that kind of gave the opportunity for Drew to come back in because he wasn't getting on the end of those crosses that comes into the box, and it's a little bit to what uh, Shems was alluding alluding to in terms of that Havertz chance, him not getting there. But I think um, the desire is there. um, And I think that maybe that dropping him has given him a bit more appetite as well to make sure he gets on the end of those balls. But I think as an all-round striker, um, he's someone that is doing a lot of the work in terms of coming back, but also getting back into the box. I think, like I said before, him and Werner sometimes were the channel strikers with Tammy on the right and then Werner on the left and then Pulisic driving through the middle. So, yeah, I think um, all round is a good performance. Obviously, those two goals as well kind of crowned the performances. Um, uh, but so to the Haaland thing, because we're linked with Haaland today, but I don't see how Tammy can stay uh, if Haaland comes because we've just signed Werner for big money. Um, Tammy, again, like I said, his contract is, is running down. Um, so my question to you guys is, do you want Haaland if that means Tammy's leaving? James? Um, my, my thing is more about Werner. I just don't see how this would work. I think I listened to Meads' voice note in the group chat today. and um, um, So he was basically saying he doesn't see how... Um, it would be... A, a, like He doesn't see how Haaland could play with... Um, 
any of our other strikers. Like, it just wouldn't make sense, basically. And um, I'm kind of of that view as well. I don't, I don't really see how um, it would work in terms of would he be the lone striker and then what Werner staying out wide, or do you know what I'm trying to say? I don't, I don't really understand how that move would work. So it's not that I don't want him because he's a great player, but I just don't see how we, how we've got so many players in that position. I, I don't see how it would work. Um, yeah, that's just my thing, really. In terms of Tammy, um, I think. I think with Tammy, if if he was to come and Tammy was to still, I feel like Tammy would still get minutes because Lampard likes Tammy. Do you get me? So Lampard would still find a way to play Tammy. But um, my own thing is just I just don't see how it would work personally. But yeah, Tips yeah, I would I probably be of the opinion that if Harlan came, then it's end game for a couple people, not just Tammy. I mm. think it's definitely end game for Callum Hudson-Odoi because that just means Timo Werner cemented himself as that left-hand side, uh, that le- that starting left winger with Pulisic ahead of him as the backup. Then what does where does that leave Callum in terms of being a backup for Ziyech? And yeah, Ziyech's probably more indispensable than Timo so for him to get regular minutes it can't be at Chelsea so that's end game for him and then Haaland he doesn't really get injured um, too often obviously I know he's out until uh, next year but um, his injury record at Salzburg and um, Dortmund isn't too isn't anything to be concerned about so um, even the minutes that Tammy will get will probably be at the manager's discretion and if you're going to pay big bucks for a Haaland you're going to give him I would play him even arguably more so than a Timo Werner so one thing I'll say about Tammy just as a little caveat is um, when he when it doesn't go his way, it looks like he could be on the pitch till midnight and not score but when he does (laughs) score he makes it look look so easy Mm mm-hmm yeah, like the fi- um the finish that he had, the second finish, I think that was underrated because it was it wasn't the tightest of angles. But, yeah, I but it was it. yeah like the timing of it. There were so many moving parts, but he made it. It's similar to when he scored against Newcastle, and Werner kind of slipped him in again. That was a tight angle. It was a good <laughs> finish. So so you're saying that like what's your conclusion on it? Would you you say no to Holland? No, I would say yes. Um, I was never a big fan of the um, Werner situation. So if we were going to get Haaland, I'd rather have missed out on Werner. So we have two true wingers in Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi, whether they're um, injury prone or not. And then we can have Haaland and Tammy. And but he's here now, so, so would you... That's but, what I was going to say. But, so I know that's what ideally, but um, I'm still not going to pass up on him um, because he encompasses, um, he's an upgrade on everything that we have in terms of Jesse Marsh has come out, the old, um, the Salzburg manager and said that he's faster than Timo. So mm-hmm. he's got, he's got, he's faster than Timo. His hold up play is comparable to Giroud and it's better than um, Tammy's already and his finishing is better than all of all three of them combined so mm. he, he, he takes our attack to a whole different level we're talking about um, I hate using the word but we're talking about uh, a generational talent we're talking about <laughs> the, the reigning golden I knew, boy I knew the G word was coming the reigning um, golden boy the reigning golden boy okay cool so it's interesting it's interesting because um, Shems what, like to be fair, Timson, you're saying you want him, but he's here now. So what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting sell Werner? I'm not going to say sell Werner. I'm just going to be like, I would like him to be part of the squad. But if he does come um, and he is that target that we do get, then 
I don't see how someone has to leave, whether it's um, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi or a um, Christian Pulisic. Um, someone's got to leave. To, what, Tammy, think, though? Huh? Tammy's going to ride bench 100%. If you, you, don't, you don't buy Erlen Haaland to sit him on the bench or rotate him. And then, and then, but this is what I'm saying. Like something has to give. See, yeah, see me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Dan. Sorry, no, I'm, I'm just willing. Personally, I, I'm. I still got faith in Werner in it. I still believe Werner can score a lot of goals for us, and I like the composition of our wingers. I like, I, I, for me, the perfect with our wingers now. So Ziyech, Hudson Odoi, and Pulisic. If they were all to get equal amounts of time out wide, I think our team would do bits, honestly. So. And if long term we was to get Werner off that, that off the flanks, I feel like, and he was to get his confidence back, I feel like he's a, he's a, he's a proven goal scorer and he can be successful at Chelsea. So, having said all of that, to bring in um, Haaland, and then it's like, okay, we now have to fit Werner in. We now have to fit. Um, do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't really, it doesn't really sit well with me. And I, I, I like I've always said, I don't want to see Werner long term out wide unless Lampard can really work it out. But then again. I, even even if he can work it out, I'm still really all for Hudson Odoi getting his 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 opportunity and his chances. So I, I don't think it's a move that we need to really make personally. Yeah, with, with the Werner one, I I would to be fair, like I didn't want him, but at the same time, when was linked, like sometimes beggars can't be choosers, and I wanted someone that could score goals because we've lacked goals in attack so much. So yeah, I was happy for that ride. The fact that Haaland's available. Like, maybe with hindsight, they're thinking, okay, cool, we should have just bought Haaland, you know, or just waited for Haaland. Because for me, Tammy is doing a good enough job. Like, for me, Tammy and Giroud, the way Giroud finished the season, and I think, you know, I just feel like both of them would have been doing a good enough job. But I understand it. There was no risk in it, getting as many um, good pieces as possible. Werner's here now. I just feel like now Werner's here. It's difficult for me to see Haaland here unless Tammy goes. But that might happen. But yeah. Moving on to um, the midfield. Yeah, so like you wasn't really happy with the midfield as well, um, Timpson. So tell me what you thought was nasty about the midfield. It was very passive. It wasn't, um, there was just no need for Jorginho in this in this team or in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, why, why not? Uh, because Thiago, in terms of ball progression, Thiago Silva is more than adapter. Um, Bringing the ball up um, and progressing and playing those and playing those balls that can beat the line. Even Kurt Zuma um, can kind of uh, has a diverse passing range, so he can spray a long ball here and there. So what Jorginho would give you from a passing and playmaking perspective, uh, deep lying, um, you could okay. have got from other players doing. Let me, doing let, let me just come in. Let me just come in because we've lost the last two games, so I feel like maybe some he's thinking that something had to change. So. We've seen the last two games, it has been Thiago Silva and Zuma, right? So I think just thinking about why he brought him in, it could have been just, we need to take Havertz out, therefore someone needs to come in. Um, Or it could be, I think Lampard mentioned that he wanted to see a little bit more play through the middle. And I think that Lampard mentioned first half, after the match Lampard mentioned first half, Jorginho helped with that. So what, what... yeah, so so what do you say to that, Simpson, in terms of he was looking for a bit more play through the middle compared to the last two games, and he felt that particularly the first half, he got that. I would say um, you still had 
um, the option of Mateo Kovacic, who obviously came on for him, um, who could bring the ball forward with his uh, direct dribbling, um, especially since the West Ham was sitting back. So he had more um, opportunity to drive with the ball. Even then, if you want to, um, if, if you want to be a bit more adventurous, then you still had Billy Gilmore, who gives you that passing and um, has a, defensive now so he's a bit more mobile but um, he's definitely more progressive with um, how he sees the game and how he kind of uh, plays in general so you still had two options but obviously maybe from a leadership perspective as well because obviously he is um, vice captain is he not um, when he's playing so uh, maybe it was that calming influence in on in the midfield that he wanted as well so so just quickly come in so I I get a hundred percent. You would have picked a different option if if Havertz was to come out and someone else to come in. It's abundantly clear you would have picked a different option for you. Jorginho was a nasty pick. You were disappointed with that that he was in the lineup. But forgetting about that, um, focusing on the first half, we'll get to the second half. How do you think that um, Jorginho played coming to the team? He didn't really do a lot, good or bad. He was just okay. Okay. Cool. Any, any more on that before I go to Shems? Um, no, I'll just, yeah, not, not yeah. much to say, but it was just a bit weird that obviously Kovacic has um, routinely been coming on for Havertz when he's not been playing well. So mm-hmm. if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a change, um, instead of going from the guy who's coming on for him constantly um, or the younger guy who's probably got a longer term future at the club, you go with the guy who's um, like, he's one of the candidates to be sold in January if there's buyers. Yeah, I suppose so. But like I said, that's a lot. There's a lot of hit um, saying there. I, yeah. I I agree. I agree that it's it's probably the likelihood that he's one of the people on the chopping block. But Lamp, like I said again, just to reassert his point, Lampard said early in the game he was looking for something, someone to play the ball a bit through the middle, and he thought particularly first half, Jorginho done that. Shems, what's your opinion on it? Um, so see, when I saw the lineup and I saw Jorginho starting, I was actually quite happy. I won't lie because um, obviously without Ziyech. Um, I felt like we needed that little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of creativity from deep because that's another outlet. And also um, I wanted to see some one-touch passing in the middle because that's another way we can break teams down. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when, when we play against low blocks and when you fall into that habit of moving the ball slow, you you won't create anything. But when you move the ball with tempo, that's when you can kind of move the low block and create gaps and create chances. So I felt like from a logical standpoint, um, if that's what Lampard was thinking, then I totally agreed. And we saw a little bit of it. Um, he Just a little bit in the first half. They did move it one touch a little bit in the first, uh, in the middle. Um, so yeah, um, from that logical reason, that's why I was happy to see him in a lineup. The only problem is he just played absolutely terrible. Like I don't even think he was okay. I thought he was he was bad. Like in the first half. So, so no, generally he's all game. Okay, cool. but but just the, the only reason why I want to break into first and second half is just because okay, cool. going off of what Lampard said, he said mm. particularly the way that Lampard said it in the post match, it was almost like yeah he was good in the first half, but in the second half it yeah. was bad. That's why I had yeah. to take him off. So yeah, that's why yeah. I kind of want to drill down into Lampard's view of he brought him in to make us pass it a little bit more through the middle. That kind of worked first half, but then it didn't. So you're saying that he was bad the whole game. So now I just want you particularly in the first half, what do you think he was bad at? Because Lampard seems to disagree. To be fair, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, I think, I think Lampard's right. I agree with you and Lampard. I think first off, he was actually all right because um, I remember a couple of times where he where, um he moved it quickly in the middle, one touch, and there was also a nice lofted ball he played to Tammy first time. Yeah. You know that traditional Jorginho ball that yeah. he always does. Yeah. Um, my only problem with him, um, first half and second, 
second half um, mm-hmm. um, was he was just so um, when he picked it up in the first third of the pitch, he was very casual with it and mm. it just took too long to move it. And then yeah. he ended up putting us under pressure and he did that all game. It was pissing me off. Yeah, so first half, first half, there was a couple of times where he done a ball straight to the opposition. I think yeah. in the second half, it was more the whole team doing it for a period, but particularly, um, again, the casualness, I think, that, that you're speaking to, he did that a couple of times in the first half. Um, I was watching the game on a Discord with Meads, and the thing is with Meads, we've seen it, like, um, ever since we started to do these Discord lives, I definitely need to watch the game again, just because <laughs> Meads is so vocal... And he's so, I feel like he's trying to convince people. So he's just so vocal and he's hammering it, hammering it, hammering it. I watched the game again and it was good to just watch it in the clear room with no voices and stuff like that. Um, I don't think he was that bad. I don't think he was bad in the first half, but he definitely had casual moments um, where he slipped. I think the good things that he'd done, like you said, that aerial ball to Tammy was one of the good things. Um, He, again, tenacious wise, like I think for some reason, like he was winning a lot of aerials. I need to check the stats. I haven't checked the stats, but um, when West Ham was pumping the balls up, he was coming in and was kind of clearing it. He was competing with Haller sometimes with the aerials. Um, yeah, like there, there were some good things. I think that we did move the ball okay. I'm not going to lie. We talked about how this game was nasty, maybe just because I've watched it again, but I don't think, and when you're watching it again, it's cool. There's no pressure because you know the result. Mm. So you're not you're not saying okay we need four more goals so like I could m- watch it with more of a like you know objective eye and I think that I don't even think we were that bad that game I think um, first half particularly we dominated most of it um, but yeah and Jorginho was part of it I think Jorginho was was good apart from the places where it was casual however second half a hundred percent for some reason the fact that you said that you wanted Jorginho to come in and keep it simple and play one touch. Jorginho was slowing things down. He was taking yeah, his time. Getting caught on the ball. Doesn't, he doesn't ever do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And I think he did it one, once or twice in the first half as well in terms of slowing it down. And I think it seemed like potentially David Moyes told um, the West Ham players to do a group press. So like I, what I noticed in tactically the way we set up, um, sometimes when we're struggling to kind of build it up from the back, Mount will drop into the fullback position and so will Jorginho on the right. And what would happen is the fullbacks would go in advanced positions and then the ball will come to Jorginho and Mount and they'll pass it to one of the fullbacks up the pitch. Um, and that was all good in the first half. But the second half, when Jorginho dropped back, four man went on him. And do you know what I'm saying? And so that there was that time where he lost the ball where we almost scored. But I think that was a tactical adjustment as well from David Moyes. But yeah. In so general, just, 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 oh. just, sorry, just to be clear. So watching the game back, um, it wasn't as nasty as we made out to be. No, I, I, I think you should watch the game back. I think okay, we yeah, dominated. I we, yeah, we dominated the game in terms of there were little periods where West Ham came back into it. But let's not mm. forget, I don't think they had a shot on target. They had the 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 goals that they scored that were offside. Um, yeah, they didn't have any shots on target. Yeah, but, but again, that was good from our our position in terms of the offside nature. But mm. yeah, I think I think generally um, it was good. Now. Um, Timpson, we'll come on to you about Jorginho just in terms of his general game, the specifics, and then we'll talk about Rice because a lot of people want Rice to come in to replace Jorginho and we got the chance to see him up against us and I kind of want to get into what you thought of his performance. But first, before we get to Rice, Timpson on Jorginho. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Um, Jorginho was just okay. He didn't really, uh, for me, have like a massive impact either, either, either side, whether it was positive or negative. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen a bit more um, in terms of um, rallying the side when we, when West Ham did ha- start to fight back um, mm. in the second half. Um, and just kind of managed the game because I think that was last season when he came on um, during, I think it might have been against Everton or someone and yeah. he just settled the game. Um, yeah. It would have been nice that, um, obviously he was already in the pit, so it would have been nice if he kind of just took the game by the scruff of the neck and just said, look, let's calm down. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's that's his job as a, a deep line playmaker too. That that control when shit is getting, we saw it with Mikel as well. A lot of the time when that period in the game where it felt like the other team was just that pressure was building. He'd just take the sting out of the game by simplifying it and, and you know, calming it down. But Rice, we saw, and I, I, the thing is with Rice, I think Noble was playing, the way that the graphic came up for West Ham anyway, Sky Sports put it like Noble was playing as the anchor and Rice was a box-to-box along with Suchek. So we saw him in more of a box-to-box um, role last um, sorry, yesterday. Now, a lot of people were saying that actually he was the best midfielder on the pitch um, a lot of people were salivating about his performance. I watched it yesterday, but then I, I watched it yesterday and Meads was saying, best midfielder on the pitch, best midfielder on the pitch, best midfielder every five seconds. I watched it again today. I wasn't really impressed. He did take his goal great, um, especially from an angle. Um, he had a nice lofted pass out, which I know he can do. Um, I think that was pretty much a performance, a forgettable performance apart from those moments. Um, what was your thoughts on Rice? And don't let what I've said, um, you know, Take your opinion. We'll go yeah. yeah, go on, Timson. Um, I believe it was Declan Rice putting himself in the shop window um, with Frank, the main buyer, uh, once again. He was really um, what we've come to expect. He um, obviously provided the backline cover. He was progressive on the ball. And um, what he showed was um, his like his ability to progress with the ball as well. And um, he had uh, a really good finish that obviously was disallowed um, for a slight offside. My um, thing about Rice is that um, Frank wants him to shield the back four um, as a lone DM. But um, I can't remember too many times where he's done it for West Ham um, this season or last because they play with him and Suchek most of the time in a double pivot. Mm. So where we have these tactical kind of um, teething issues with um, Havertz and Werner, I don't want it to be a case where we spend a big sum on Declan Rice mm-hmm. and next thing you know, there's an article from Liam Toomey or Simon Johnson on The Athletic going, is a tactical shape, is a tactical change needed to get the best of Declan Rice yeah. and talk about how he's never really played as a solo DM, even though that's what we're eyeing him up to do. It's an assumption, though, that even Lampard wants him to play that position because we've seen lots of links saying that Lampard wants him as a centre-back too. But um, Shems, 
what what did you think of Rice? Did you, did that performance make you want him um, Chelsea to buy him? I'll be real, yeah. I need to watch the game again because okay. I don't... weren't because 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 of the like the overall like tensions of the game and the pressure. Like, I wanted to win. Yeah. Like, I weren't re- I weren't really checking for him. I'll be real. Yeah. One thing I will say though is that I weren't having him. Like I weren't having him before, mm-hmm. but I do like West Ham are basically my second team because my brother sports West Ham, so I do okay. watch a lot of West Ham. And um, from watching him like this season, he mm-hmm. actually is a pretty good footballer. Like he mm-hmm. is nowhere near as basic as I thought he was. Mm-hmm. So I've gone from not having him at all to I'm not saying that I want him, but if we did get him, I don't think I'd kick off a fuss. If I'm being completely honest, yeah. um, I just haven't having watched him a little bit more um, this season. And Timson makes a great point because he's even for England, he plays in a in, in a two with either Calvin Phillips or or a Hendo or mm-hmm. one of them guys. So that's a very good tactical point. But yeah, as I say, from what I've seen this season, he, he's actually a pretty good footballer. I would like to you. So I mean, just watch, watch the space, I guess. But I'm not necessarily kind for him. I don't think he's absolutely necessary. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, like, to be fair, I don't even think he played well for England, personally. That's, I don't think he's played well for England. No, he hasn't. Yeah, so like, and, and I think the thing is with a lot of Rice's, like, big um, advocates, they try to make it out like if you don't want Rice, you think that he's shit and that he doesn't have anything redeeming, any any good redeeming qualities or anything like that. For me, like, I've, he's good. Um, those passes that he made yesterday, I think that's just a, that's actually, if you watch him, that's part of his game. He does those switches out um, to the sides. Um, the finish was cool. It's not something that I would say that I know Rice for. The, the finish was great. Um, but, Again, just watching the game. So, like Jermaine said, Jermaine and Mead said that he was the best midfielder on the pitch. I think that was crazy considering. I know Kante um, played a different position, but I thought Kante again was much better than him. Um, but yeah, just like watching the game again. Uh, again, I implore you to watch it again. I don't think it was that great. There was nothing in that game that made me say, "Okay, we need to sign this player." Um, I'm talking about both defensively and offensively too. Um, but that's just me. Um, Kante on the other other hand, like again, that chance that Pulisic had where he um he passed he, he passed it to Werner, that was of Kante winning the ball and then taking the ball all the way up the pitch. And I think again the Werner chance at the end where Werner smashed the bar, again, that was Kante transitioning. And Kante like is just for me like fantastic. I don't I don't think Rice is anywhere near the quality personally. And listen, uh, Rice is still young, so maybe he gets better, but I think even if you're just talking about yesterday's performance, I think Kante was much well, better. One counter argument on that one. One thing I will say from what I've seen with Rice is that I do feel like the one thing he, he would have over Kante is I think he can spot more passes. So there's one opportunity where Werner made a great run down mm. the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't, And it was Kante that had it. I think he gave it to Pulisic instead. But I would have expected Kante to see that pass and he didn't see it. I, w- I was just like, how did you not see that pass? So I feel like in terms of like... Um, um, like just actually seeing the picture, like vision. I think Declan Rice probably has that a little bit more over Kante. Maybe, um, so maybe, yeah. maybe. That's from what I've observed. Because of. from like Kante does switches too, but I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but switches, switches are kind of easy for, to see in, in in my opinion. I feel like yes. when you kind of just won the ball and you have one quick look up to see the picture and to see who's running, it's, it's a, you, you've got a split second to make a decision. You get me? Whereas you. with switches, yeah. I feel like you have more time. So, so the switch, the switch that everyone was talking about with Rice, I think the way that it happened, Rice saw the, the player earlier. He couldn't make the pass initially. 
And then the first opportunity he got to make the pass, he made it. So um, I'm not even trying to downplay the pass. I think it was a good pass and it looks great too. But at, like, I, apart from the switches, I don't really see great passes from... Um, uh, to be fair, I wasn't even alluding to this game. I was alluding to other yeah. games. Okay, but cool. I think cool. he had three big moments. Um, the switch, yeah. the disallowed goal, and obviously when he um, ran past Aspilicueta. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. for me, um, I want the manager to be backed, so there's no discussions. And if that's who the manager wants, so be it. I'm not um, a huge fan of Declan Rice. Um, I don't think he's rubbish, but I'm like, for the money that people are talking about, um, someone said Bank of England money. I'm just like, okay, personally, I would look at the likes of Bruno Guimaraes, um, like Florentino Luiz or Ibrahim Zangari that kind of give you similar things that would cost a lot less. But um, obviously, if that's who the manager wants, I want the manager be, to be backed. Uh, so I, I can't agree. Just just because there is part of me that wants the manager to be backed because then he's got what he wants and he can enact his full you know, plan. However, we've seen how it's been kind of messy now. And those articles you were talking about, do you know what I'm saying? So um, I, I more than wanting the manager to be backed, I want the best things to happen for Chelsea. Now, the, the, my issue with the potential Declan Rice signing is if Kante is playing well there, um, and if, I'm talking about specifically for the DM position, if Kante is playing well there and you bring in an expensive signing in that position, you're creating issues because then he has to play because he's expensive. Now, if he's brought in for the centre-back position, again, I'd want to see Thiago Silva and Zuma be the default. Maybe Thiago Silva's a year older, so the idea is that the games that Thiago Silva can't play, Rice can play, but then he's untested in the centre-back position. So I understand it, and I'm not... Obviously, we can't do anything to stop it anyway, but it's just a good discussion on Rice anyway. But um, I agree with you, Dan. Um, Kante's having a career renaissance in this holding midfield role, and it's translated to even when he's pushed up higher. Mm. Um, and then with the centre-backs, we've got so much um, depth at the minute with the five centre-backs in the first team. Um, okay. The guys in the academy, the the likes of Mark Gerhi pushing to um, get a look in next season um, to buy a centre-back, to buy Declan Rice. And even if we play him at centre-back um, long-term, it's still a bit odd. It is. But the, the, the only thing that is in Declan Rice's favour, I saw Tammy after the game to Rice and Rice went up to Lampard. And there's so many people there and he, des- he you can see it, he desperately wants to play for Chelsea. And that's a good quality because he's going to be someone that if he does come, which it seems like it, it could happen, a lot of people saying it's inevitable. No, it's not. Lampard could get sacked and then what? Another manager might not want him. Do you know what I'm saying? Until he comes, it's not inevitable. However, what I'm saying is if he does come, um, the fact that he's, you know, boyhood Chelsea and he seems like he's diehard. And in that position, you want someone that's diehard. Um that's a, that could be a good thing. It's just that at the same time, I'm just wary about, I don't like, like I said, too many options sometimes can be a bad thing because if Kante's working there, it's good that Jorginho's come in this game, but it's good that you've got some sort of consistency in the position by Kante plays no matter what. If you bring, if you bring Rice in and then he has to play because you've spent 70 million on him and he has to mix up the game and sometimes Kante plays, sometimes Rice plays and that makes us inconsistent because we haven't got any consistency. Like at, this season, defensively, we're good because we've got stability in defence. Do you know what I'm saying? And I want to achieve that in midfield. I want to achieve that in attack. And I think that Rice can be someone that complicates it. And that's... You, on, sorry, on, on, the, on the Kante point, could you say maybe Lampard um, would 
would prefer a different option for the games that Kante doesn't play. So maybe he doesn't really necessarily like. So obviously we know he doesn't really like Jorginho. Um, could you say maybe maybe he just wants someone else to? To, 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 to be back up for Kante not necessarily be back up as in be benched the whole season but that's, when Kante doesn't play he wants a more reliable option maybe that's, that's my a issue. lot of money for a rotation that's my issue I that's, get it yeah that's the thing I get it I get it that's my issue so, that's my know. issue if Rice was coming in if it was a free transfer if it was a knockdown price then that's cool but mm. the problem is because it's such big money it just doesn't make sense it means well, how much are we looking at by the way because I haven't really looked into it the, the at, issue least 60, is, at least 60 yeah and basically the issue is forgetting about figures because we can only speculate he's got a long-term contract at West Ham mm. and they're not they're not looking to let him go so we have to pay big money to get him out and if we do that then you can't give make Kante the number one there even if he deserves to be the number one there um because you have to play the play you've just bought for big substantial money do you know what I'm saying so that's that's the issue for me at the same Dan at the same time Dan what Kante's reportedly the highest earner people have said um I've heard I've, I've seen figures of 290k a week can you have an, a 290k a week world cup winner sitting on the bench for Declan Rice a perform- I, I performance sorry I came back um to it um a couple of pods ago where I said there is no need to immediately push for Declan Rice mm-hmm. the longer it drags on um the less we'll have to pay because he's got this long term deal um, and West Ham are even pushing for him to sign an extension, but I don't think he's going to do that. He's recently switched agents to his dad, who is literally a season ticket holder at Chelsea. So the ties to Chelsea and the fact that he never wanted to leave Chelsea is there. I just think the longer we leave it, the more the better it works in our favour in the sense he's got less to run on his contract. Kante, um, obviously, he gets... He, it it gets easier and easier to transition him out the squad when he gets as as he pushes into his thirties. So like I just don't I just don't see the the immediate need to get Rice. There is no immediate. It's smart to not get him now. It's literally smart to not get him now. But but at the same time, everyone seems like it's going to happen. If not January, it's probably not going to happen in January. But people are saying summer. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um. So uh, Chiwell was injured, and obviously Reese James is injured too. So. It's almost like a throwback with the fullbacks. We're seeing Aspi and Emerson. Now, obviously, Emerson came on blonde hair, new year, new me type flex. How do you think he's done in terms of, you know, a lot of people think that there's a huge drop-off when Chilwell's not playing and he might be out for a little bit. Are you worried the fact that we're playing, um, we have to play with Emerson? Shems. Um, I understand the drop-off from a defensive point of view. But from an attacking point of view, I don't think it is drastic. I still feel like Emerson gives us something going forward because he's a very good dribbler and um, he's not afraid to carry the ball, which is what I like. Sometimes Chilwell can be a bit tentative, mm-hmm. a bit more conservative in terms of carrying the ball, like taking less risks. Risks. I feel like Emerson's a bit more adventurous going forward. Um, and it, I thought in the final third, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with him. Like he can cross, like he can dribble. Mm. So yeah, from an attacking standpoint, I don't think the drop-off is absolutely drastic, but I am a bit worried from a defensive standpoint because he tends to go to sleep, especially from crosses and set pieces. How so, did he do yesterday defensively? Yesterday he did fine, man. He I, he was faultless. He really didn't do anything wrong at all. Um, I don't feel like, to be fair, I don't feel like West Ham really tested his side. It was more than Aspie's side. Mm. Um, so he didn't really get many opportunities to defend but um, going off what I've seen in previous matches in terms of defensively he can be a bit lapsidaisical and a bit asleep um, so yeah um, we just have to we just have to see how it goes but you're not you're not particularly worried with Emerson nah nah not, not it's not it's not Alonso so I'm not okay. particularly 
I'm not particularly worried. We we, we do the Discord um, and jump in. I've told you to jump in before, but we do live matches. We do player ratings too. And I think at the beginning of the season, we got rather than just rating people's opinions on how a play, the players have played during the match, we just got player ratings in terms of our squads. How could you think this player is out of 10, et cetera, et cetera. And I've used that data to flag up um, sp- specific people in the, the Chessy Hour community that either specifically overrate a player compared to the rest or specifically underrate them. And Timpson, you've been flagged up as particularly underrating Emerson. So I'm coming to you on this. Basically, what the data says is that you're not a fan whatsoever of it as Emerson. You think he's a clown. Is that correct? No. Okay, cool. When Marcus Alonso, uh, under in the Conte regime, um, was the starting left back, um, I was I was one of them people who was championing that Justin for em- justice for Emerson uh, hashtag mm-hmm. uh, in regards to his performance against um, West Ham. I think he didn't push himself to um, get forward. Um, so he sacrificed the, some of what he brings in the attacking phase to kind of be a lot more solid and add that stability in the defensive end, which is the most important, um, especially when the game started to get a bit tense for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as left-backs go, he's deservedly second choice after Ben Chilwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not too worried about Arsenal, um, but at the same time, if Pepe actually um, is in a mood, he could make him dance. It was the Arsenal game where Kante slipped and Kante slipped again yesterday, by the way. This is one thing about, okay, so this is one thing about going back to the Kante, Rice, Jorginho thing and transitions. A lot of people, um, when Jorginho was playing there, there was like, if Kante was in that situation, he'd clean it up. But like the the Martinelli goal, Kante slipped. There was a chance yesterday that I think Aspi came over the cover and we'll get onto Aspi as well. Kante, but Kante slipped again. Transitions are difficult. Um, but he picked his time, though. He picked his time. This time he fell, and it fell to the laziest striker in the Premier League. So yeah, he, yeah he, exactly. He, the way he was through on goal, and he ran like... I'm not sure if you ever watched Prison Break Season 3. He ran like Lechero when he was running for the, <laughs> when, when running for the, when he was running for the fences to escape. Yeah. Was, if, that was, if that was a, a player with, that was fast, that could have been an issue. Avardi, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so on, on Emerson... There is that worry because I think one of the reasons why he came out of the team was that Arsenal match because on that, uh, I think on that corner that Kante slipped on, Emerson was supposed to be back covering. So um, I like, I guess my, my quick question about Emerson is, are you happy with him to continue being the backup for um, Chilwell going into like next season? No. No. Why not? Do you want us to buy someone or do you want us to promote a, an academy player? I feel like we should um, be cultivating our replacements internally. Um, I feel like we've got, uh, I think it might be a season too soon next season for um, an Ian Martin. Um, obviously, there's still outside hope for a, maybe a Juan Castillo. Um, I've seen Levi Colwell, but he's only like 17 going on 18. Um, so so if, if, if it's too soon for those guys, doesn't it make sense to keep Emerson for another season rather than buying someone that will block these players? Yeah. So, but even then, I'm thinking along the lines of um, Asper Equator um, playing left back um, ahead of him. Fair enough. Okay, cool. So, um, what did you think about Asper Equator's performance? You referenced Rice breezing past him. It's not like Rice is the fastest, it's not like Rice is the slowest, but do you think that's just um, 
you know, the fact that he hasn't played quite a while. And what do you think about his general performance? Aspilicueta is an old soldier, isn't he? So um, sometimes you'll see the fact that you'll see his age showing um, and the fact that he's not uh, physically where he used to be, but um, he still fights. He still gives you his best and um, he'll still do a job for the team. Cool. Shems, anything on Aspi? Wasn't his greatest performance. Um, I thought like after that, after that instance where Rice drifted past him, I can't remember too many more instances where he looked um, out of place. So mm-hmm. because he, because he's been he's he's been really solid this season, so I can yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt just for that one game. Yeah. Okay, cool. So set pieces. Like it seems like last season, both attacking and defensively, uh, we were horrible. We were devastating. And um, coming into the season, we hired Anthony Barry. There's a lot of mystery around him. Um, actually, when Emerson came on for Chilwell, again, I saw Anthony Barry. He was the one that was briefing him. He was the one that was drilling into him the instructions. I think Emerson defensively, by the way, I think he was really good. Um, not just um, in-game, but set pieces too. And I think set pieces is one of the places that he sleeps. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Barry's influence on the training pitch has drilled out a lot of the complacency among our players. But um, don't forget, West Ham as a team with Haller, who's quite tall, Suchek, we all know, We've actually experienced the damage that he can do, um, but they and 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 if there was a threat that they was um, proposing to us, it was crossing the balls in, whipping it in through set pieces, but we dealt with it really well. And so, like a lot of our, I think I saw a stat saying that we're creating more chances through set pieces than any other avenue. Um, so yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about our set pieces. Obviously, Mount again is our top assister. And he's got three assists and all three of them have been corners. So, yeah, uh, my question to you guys is, usually people associate this kind of crossing and set pieces with a Stoke or stuff, um, teams like that. Um, are you happy? I, I mean, we're scoring goals from it, so I'm sure you're happy with the fact that we're scoring set pieces. But then, then are you worried that that is our main, it seems like our main threat at, the, at this point? Um, um, no, no. I don't think it's our main threat. Okay. If I'm being honest, because I've because a majority of games we've watched this season, when we've had um, Ziyech on the pitch, um, mm-hmm. obviously he's our main creator. I'll, I'll, I'll be completely real. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've been able to um, kind of work opportunities in open play um, when Mount's been at it, with, which he has been for the most of the season. Um, there's, there's I can reference many games where we've worked a number of opportunities from open play. So mm-hmm. I'm not particularly worried um, about that being our main. Um, our main source of creation, obviously our fullbacks as well. So we've got we've got other avenues. I, I strongly believe that. Um one thing I will say is that um I listen, when me growing up as, as a Chelsea fan growing up, mm-hmm. I grew up on Lampard swinging the ball into the box and JT getting on the end of it or um Ivanovic getting on the end of it, Drogba getting it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I feel like um set pieces set pieces is, is a weapon like it, it can it can bail you out in so many different ways. Um, whether it's just getting an open goal or saving you at the end of the equaliser or winner, um, it's such a critical weapon. I feel like it's, it's, it's important to be good at them. And for such, such a long time after um, Sassarigas left, we didn't have anyone that can really deliver a set-piece ball. Mm-hmm. And we finally got one now. We finally got players that are good in the air. It's a weapon that, yeah, why not utilise it, man, literally. So, yeah, and like I said, I grew up on seeing us being good at set-pieces. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm quite yeah, we had had, Giants, man. So we had many Giants. people. Drogba, Terry, Balak. Balak. When it was a set Ivanovic. Peak. It was yeah, peak. Yeah, you saw all of them guys. It was Titans. Um, it was peak. Yeah. Simpson, what's your thoughts on set piece, Chelsea? Positive, negative? 
positive. Um, I don't think, I think you have to look at the efficiency from the number of um, set pieces that we're getting because it's not like there, it's not like a Burnley where they look devoid of any creativity or any attacking threat um, in open play. So they're just waiting on um, to get a free kick in and around the box to go, okay, here's where we come alive. Um, we're just being really efficient with the set pieces that we're winning um, through natural uh, football. So I'm not worried about, um, I'm not really worried about it from that perspective. I just feel like we've just become more dangerous, but, on the other hand, um, I saw a stat somewhere that said um, we haven't we haven't com- conceded from like a set piece or a corner or something exactly, like that. Both sides. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy with. So it's not just one thing where we, we're specifically focusing on the attacking end. We're just improving on both sides, and it's showing on both sides as well. So mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I don't see it. I don't see how it can be um, a potential negative because yeah. when I don't think it's something we rely on. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely not a negative. I mean, any team would want to have that up their sleeves. So yeah, 100%. I think we're all agreed on that. And I think we're both agreed on the fact that attacking-wise... Listen, Zuma has started to make a name for himself because he scored four goals from um, scoring at corners and stuff like that. So it was almost like they completely left Thiago Silva to his own devices. He had the freedom to score the header. And I think um, that just goes to show that, you know, you can try to man-mark one of our players, but then again... We've got another player that can, you know, pull it in. And uh, like later on in the game, um, West Ham learned their lesson because Mount took a, a similar corner. Thiago Silva got on the end of it, but they had a player there this time. They had someone minded him. So, so yeah, like 100% it's good. I guess the question that I asked before was creativity, wise. I know you're talking about we have created chances and there are, there is semblances of creativity. Since Ziyech has been injured, I've heard people complaining that we're not creating that many chances or good enough chances. So we can't just be relying on Ziyech. Is there not an issue? It can't be Ziyech and set pieces. Do you see what I'm saying? Is there an issue there? That, okay, set pieces are all good, but away from set pieces are chance creation. I think that goes back to the um, balance of the front three. Um, we have Tammy Abraham, who's an out-and-out goal scorer, mm-hmm. Timo Werner, who's the exact same, and then Christian Pulisic, we know, has um, a greedy streak in him. So we've got guys who are just trying to, um, we've essentially, to use a basketball term, got three James Harden just trying to get their shot, trying to trying to work it for them, with Tammy probably out of the three of them being um, the best facilitator. Um, yeah. So I think the balance is the biggest issue when um, you take Ziyech out the side. Obviously, you can make a case for um, a Callum Hanson-Odoi or like even a um, even a Kai Havertz, even though we don't really see him at his optimal there. Um, mm. But he's less um, he, he's less attack minded and more um, he's he's more of a team player when he's playing in those wider positions. So I think the overall balance in the attack plus um, sometimes who's behind them as well. This is what I who's, who's behind them as well. Cause obviously um, Kante is there to stop the other team playing um, and just kind of keep the ball recycled, um, ticking over. Mm-hmm. Then with the Jorginho, obviously he's, he, he can play make and create chances from deep, but um, not enough to kind of uh, offset the three players who are kind of um, not out for themselves, but, their mentality is um, strike, shoot first. So that's the biggest issue. Yeah. I mean, so like, if you look at it, so like this, the last game, we scored three goals, but the two games preceding it, 
um, where we had kind of like, because if you look at um, the chance creators in the Premier League, yes, you've got some chance creators that are part of the attack, like Grealish, but then you've also got chance creators that are in the midfield. So as much as I hear you in terms of ZH, um, the loss that is when he's not part of attack, but also in midfield, we should be expecting, not from the defensive midfielder, because I think that's just too much to expect, but from the box to box, um, there might be questions on Mount and Havertz in terms of chance creation. Um, Havertz was bought for big money and like it can't all be on ZH. Now, obviously, Havertz is out of the team at this point and Kante is not a chance creator. But yeah, I think that's just probably one something to watch. Um, but yeah, so just in general, as we close up, the West Ham game, they scored two goals that were offside. We stood up to the test of them putting balls into the box and they didn't have a shot on target. But did you see any vulnerabilities? Because we're back to winning ways. Hopefully we can keep it that way. Um, did you see any vulnerabilities um, in that West Ham game that we should be worried about? Um, not really, if I'm being honest. I think we dealt with a lot of things quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, vulnerabilities? Nah, not really. Thinking about be Arsenal, because we've got Arsenal next. So that yeah. Thinking about mm. Arsenal, what, what, what's your thoughts in terms of where we are at now? Who should stay in the team? Who should go out, etc.? Um, so I think I think the the, the, the back line is, is fine at the moment. Um, I don't think West Ham really, they, they, if they could have been a bit more adventurous and tested us a little bit more. So in terms of things to worry about, I don't really think there's, there was too much. Um, in terms of the Arsenal game, obviously they're not in great form at the moment. So um, that's not to underestimate them. But um, I, I'm trying, I can't really... I can't if they're, they're not a team that's firing right now, so I can't really say what they're gonna, what threat they're gonna, they're gonna pose to us. Like you know, it's a London derby, so they're just gonna, they, they can turn up on the day and you know just be up for it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So I can't yeah. really think of something in specific that Arsenal do amazingly that's gonna trouble us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're pretty settled in the back at the moment. I think Thiago was brilliant yesterday, um, and yeah. So midfield and attack then. So midfield and attack, yeah, um, for the Arsenal game. Yeah, because you said you were set out of the back. Okay, so. cool. I've got um, a couple of weaknesses that I think we should look at. Okay, go on. Firstly is um, game management. We saw it when it got on top for against Wolves. When they started pressing us, we couldn't um, manage the situation. Obviously, it was a bit patchy. It was a bit, it was a bit concerning when West Ham started a fight back as well. So um, even though Arsenal aren't in the best form, um, they will have um, phases in the game where they'll be on top. So um, how we manage that. Also, obviously, Emerson, he was one of the, he was the player that got hooked when we brought on Jorginho after we had that shocking performance. Um, obviously, Pepe seemed to enjoy himself. Uh, Pepe seems to enjoy himself against um, certain left backs who aren't great in the one on one. And Emerson, I, mm, the jury's still out whether he's a good one on one defender or not. So that's a secondary thing to keep concerned about. And obviously, third and finally is obviously um, their formation as well um, because. If they play a three at the back, which um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, um, they got a lot of joy in the FA Cup final, kind of um, targeting those wide spaces and running in behind us um, with the likes of Aubameyang and Ainsley Maitland-Niles as a wing-back. Um, yeah. And with Tierney kind of creating those overloads um, as if he plays as a left centre-back, um, it's something to... It, with with our first-choice full-backs all but out for that, confirmed out for that game, mm-hmm. it's concerning that obviously left-hand side where you'll see where you see the best of Aubameyang most of the time um, and Kieran Tierney who's probably the, um, one of the best fullbacks top five fullbacks in the league um, mm-hmm. kind of 
having that opportunity to double up and cause problems and um for Aspilicueta, who's obviously not the fastest anymore that's that's the biggest area of concern for me yeah yeah fullbacks fullbacks um shams you got anything else um uh for arsenal preview um no nah, not really not really okay. so generally um like what are our thoughts do you think that um we have got this do you think that we're going to win or are you in, in a bit more pessimistic thinking at this point you're not sure at this point i'm not sure because of we've had because we've had a downturn in form obviously we've won yesterday mm-hmm. um i'm not because sh- the performance wasn't um, wasn't great um it's not definitive that we're going to carry it on, if that makes sense. Yeah. I hope we will. Um, obviously, we've got more than enough quality to beat Arsenal. Um, but um, if I'm going to go for a prediction, I think we will win. Um, but it probably won't be as convincing as it should be. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's probably what I'll say on that. Okay, cool. See us on fan slide. So we're both, we're all going to be on fan slide. It's a game. Play it whilst the match is on. It's in play fantasy. Um, Sports Social Podcast Network.